and welcome to the Greenville Smart Podcast. I'm your host, Elaine McNamara, the director of Greenville Smart Center Operations and the executive director of the Greenville Chamber of Commerce. With me today are our producer, Deloitte Cole. Good morning. And our director of Smart Initiatives, Breck Nelson. Good morning, Elaine. And our special guest today, head basketball coach for Greenville University, Dr. George Barber. Thank you. Thank you. Good good to be here. Welcome. We've been meaning to uh, invite you here for some time. Okay. We we finally got in contact with each other and you're here. I know. I found out you were this rocking DJ, and I was like, <laughs> I gotta call her. Mama G, Mama and G. She said, come on in. She yeah, is I famous. Yeah, I got a call from him. I thought, George Barber's calling me. Oh, yeah. This is cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it worked out, and he's here, and uh, we're excited. You're, you're the one that's famous around here. Nobody uh, knows no, I am. I'm glad to be here. I'm thankful to be here. So. <laughs> well, let's, let's start. I like to ask everyone that comes in for our podcast, what brought you to Greenville? Okay. Tell us a Right. Story. So I was working as a assistant basketball coach at Bradley University, and that's in Peoria. Um, and uh, we were, we were uh, not doing great. So, so it, it's a thing in Division One. If you don't do well, if you don't win, you can see the writing on the wall, which means you're probably going to get let go. So I try to time it so that I didn't actually leave before the staff got fired, but it was the next year. So uh, I began to look for a job and uh, had a friend who was a vice president down here. His name was Dr. David Hogue. And he said, uh, we may be looking for a men's basketball coach. The current coach is thinking about going to AD. And so I came down, interviewed, and, and we got the job. That was 1999. Wow. So, yeah. And, and I tell you what, I, I, I had a job in Chicago, uh, Hoffman Estates High School. It paid more than Greenville. But my wife and I put our heads together and we just said, where do we have a better chance to raise our kids? We had four kids at the time. Now we have five. Thankfully, we have five. Sammy shaved ice. He's the fifth yes. guy. <laughs> so, so anyways, uh, we just said we have just a lot better chance to raise our kids in Greenville uh, than in Chicago. And nothing against the Chicago. It was just, it's just what we thought. And it was absolutely the right decision. So. Yeah, well, I think everyone's glad that you made that decision, probably especially your wife. I think so. So it was a couple of years. It took a couple of years just because she was like, uh, where is the nearest Target? <laughs> <laughs> and I was what? like, well, that's Edwardsville. So, um, but just, just, you know, a little time in, we really saw all the value of small, small town community and the people, especially the people, all the relationships that we began to build just really made it. Great. So, but yeah, so the, the first thing though was, where's the nearest target? And we, once we got past that hurdle, we were, we were off and running. Well, where are you both from originally? So my wife is from Atlanta. Her dad oh. is, was an attorney in the, in Atlanta, in that area. And, um, she grew up there. And then I grew up in North Carolina, kind of in the country. My dad was in higher ed and my mom was a, a principal school teacher. Um, and so, uh, but we met, my wife and I met at Asbury university now it's in kentucky and so um that's where we met got married and i went to university of kentucky worked a couple years as a grad assistant there basketball team won a national championship that was fun it really helps your resume yeah and um then went to bradley and then came here so so you came here in 1999 right um but what would you say was the big year 
for George Barber as basketball coach oh. at Greenville University. Okay. Well, I tell you what, as a coach, you, you have to realize that you almost every year at the end of the season, you think this is my last. I mean, you really do. Like, I mean, I, 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 I'm sure if there's any coaches listening, they, they're going to say, yep, that's exactly how I feel at the end of the year. And I always say that's okay. I, and that's not a problem because at the end of the year, you're exhausted. You don't know if you can do it again. You don't know if you, you know, can get the recruits or just get the energy. But it, so, so the question is, though, do you have energy at the beginning when it's time to start? And I always do. I always am ready to get started at the beginning. So um, the year, the year, I don't know. I mean, you know, my second year here, Elaine, we came in second place and we were up 17 points with like in the second half and we lost the game and I was like no way I could have you know we could have won the ch- ch- second year that would have been really really great and then it was just like a drought like we never won the conference again for like a 15 years and we had some good years and some bad years but you know maybe that's the way the Lord just works is that, you know just make sure that you stay because there's just no way you you know unless you have a um great record anybody's going to come call it and i did have a couple of calls i've had a couple of calls over the years but we've just decided this is the place to stay yeah so, yeah well tell us about the last year yeah okay well so so one of the things you might be alluding to is when we went to the system okay yeah. which is which is a style of play that we do now and um about about 10 years ago the current athletic director his name's doug faulkner said to me George, you should look at this crazy style of play called the system. And uh, I said, no, Doug, I, I, I know that. It's, but I don't, like, that would be, I don't know if I could look my fellow coaches in the eye. I mean, this is so different. Go ahead. Is yeah. it kind of like a, like, the okay, the movie Moneyball? Or the, oh. Is it uh, like a basketball version yeah, of is, that type of play? It is, in play? a sense, like, you, yeah, you got to get the stats. And this is this was my response to the stats. So, the guy was sitting in my office the, the year I was going to put this in. I flew him in from California. And, you know, I said, what do you like to do? He said, I like to fish. I go, I'm going to take you fishing. So Jim Brizzard and I took him fishing. And then I said, now I'm going to take you to a Midwestern uh, square dance. Uh, the men's men's team, women's team, we, we went on square dance. And uh, so he was like, this is this is an unbelievable place. But he's sitting in my office and I said, you know, how much is enough of this style of play? Like, when do you, like, are you, if you're up 20 with 10 minutes to go, is that enough? Then you, you change your style. He goes, no, you never change your style. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you get a hundred shots a game, 50 of those shots for threes. You get 35% of the offensive rebounds, 32 turnovers forced per game and shoot the ball 25 more times than the opponent. And you're going to win 95% of the time. And I said, you're making that number up. That's not true. Like, there's, nobody has stats on that. And and so, you know, and and I don't know if he was or wasn't. But, yeah, so that was my that was my response to the stats about it. I didn't, like, I don't know. But anyways, we, we ended up going that style of play. And I thought we would lose, like, a couple years in a row before we got it going. And we did. We were 2-12 and 12 with... Uh, you know, the first 14 games of that year, and I just about gave up. But my assistant coach, thinking for him, Stephen Groves, he said, I don't know, coach, we really worked hard. You've really got these guys believing. So if you, you know, if we give up now, it's going to be, um, you know, they're, they're, it's going it's, it's to unravel. So I said, yeah, you're right. And so anyways, we stayed with it. And, and my kids said, coach, we're always down 20. And so why don't you put us down 20 in practice? 
and see if we can come back. I said, that's a great idea. My kids thought this. So I said, wow. basketball players. So we, 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 I, I brought the JV team, and I said, all right, you guys are up 20 with 10 minutes to go in this practice scrimmage. And however many points you lose by varsity, because you're already down 20, you're going to run a suicide sprint. So suicide's awful. You know, it's like free throw line, half court, three court, or full court back. It's just awful. So they lost by 13. So at the end of practice, we run 13 suicides. And it was like, I mean, it was awful to watch. You know, I, I was just like terrible to watch the, the last six or seven. But anyways, we, we get through it. And so I said, the next day, we'll do the same, we'll do the same, same wow. drill. All right. And this time... They're like down 10 with a couple minutes to go. You know, if we could hit a couple of threes, now it's just going to be four points, and we only have four sprints. So they started to get it, and literally that week, it turned around. We went 12-2, and two, won the conference, led the nation in scoring. They were like just nuts in the locker room to, when we won the conference at, at the end of that year because we, we just thought we were going to be terrible. We're going to lose. Like We had only won two games, and then we ended up winning 12 Going twelve and two, just the opposite. Flipped it, and so um, what was the uh, reaction from the other coaches in your conference? So at first they were like, "Oh no, George," which is exactly what I thought. You know, they would just say like, "This, this is not basketball." Like, what are you doing? And I said, "Well, it is basketball. It's within the rules." And I'm the low. I like so. So let me just. I gotta say this story. We, we're in the lowest one percent of all basketball teams in division three there's 423 that report i know this because of the equity and athletics data analysis okay you have to turn it into the department of education the ncaa publishes it and so out of 423 schools we were 418 oh, man. in resources for our team oh. so i mean so we're the we're like easily in the bottom one percent and my roster was in the it was fifth from the top I had the largest roster. So the soup is very thin. You have to understand. So very little resources, uh, very big roster. And so it's something kind of unique. And if you're going to even compete with that few resources and having to support that big of a team, we just had to do something different. And that's what we did. And so um, the other coaches didn't like it that much. And I'm like the guy, like, Deloitte, if you come to the game, and and you're coaching whatever team, Webster. Okay. I'm sorry I even said that word on the radio. But anyway, you're coaching no Webster. Love I'm going to know that your favorite drink is Diet Dr. Pepper. Like, I just already, I know. And Elaine, I would know you're like Diet Mountain Dew. Brack, you'd be like straight Coke, whatever. Re regular. Yeah, regular Coke. <laughs> so I'm going to meet you at the door. When you come to my gym, I'm going to have to drink to you i'm gonna sit down with you we're gonna have a soda we're gonna have something we're gonna talk like that's the type of coach i am because i'm like well, this is madness we're all doing the same thing working super hard working with these kids trying to teach them life lessons trying to win games and so you know i don't hate you i really like you i admire what you do you know and i mean I, and i hope you don't hate me but but as soon as we started beating everybody i mean they had meetings about like what are we gonna do with greenville <laughs> They sent one coach as like a you know like a like a, a ambassador to me that said, "What are you doing? Like this is this you're just killing us." And then we we scored two hundred, and I said, "So <laughs> what would you do?" I I said, "I already know what I'm going to tell you, but 
what would you do? And they said, well, maybe you would promise not to score 200 again. <laughs> and I said, that is so funny. Like, like you can't plan to score 200, you know, it's a conference game. So I said, I'd be glad to say I don't plan. I'll never score 200 again because it won't happen. But I, I want to also say in the same breath, I'm going to try every game sure. to score 200. So now, anyway. that, of all the but, things that have happened in the last, you know, since you've started the new new way of playing uh, is that the one that's got the most national attention? oh yeah so Deloitte. so we <laughs> okay we had 173 points with about six minutes to go in the game yeah 173 i look at the clock i go oh my goodness because you read this book about the system style of plays a book gary smith doug porter wrote it so just like the bible it's the mind's underlying going are you kidding i can't believe this i have annotation marks and so anyways so we we i'm reading and the book says we can never score 200. That's the holy grail, this style of play. If, can you score 200? And I just looked at the clock and I said, I think we, we might score 200 this game. And the gym, we were already up like, you know, 170 to 130 or something. And the, the shift in the gym got from being a boring game to like, whoa, wow, the energy. Like, you could just feel it. Like, they may score 200. So I told Stephen, our assistant, I said, look, it, if, they, if they keep running – with us and scoring, and we're going to keep trying to score. Like if, they, if they stop, like if they just wave the white flag, then we'll stop. But they just kept running, and we did too, and we kept hitting threes. And so with, with about 10 seconds to go, we, we, hit, 100, we hit 198. And I, I call timeout, and I, I bring the guys over. And that's what everybody doesn't like about it. You know, like you're up 198 yeah. to 144 or whatever, and you call timeout. So, but I was just like, I brought them over. I said, look. You guys will never be in a position to score 200 again. So when this ball comes in bounds, I don't care if you get it or if you don't get it, but give yourself a chance to score 200. So I said, it comes in bounds, you know, try to get a steal. If you can't get it, one trap, one steal, doesn't happen, foul. Stop the clock, see if you can get the ball back. So they did. Kid misses free throw. We go down. Jahari shoots a layup, misses, and very... Tips it in. I couldn't believe it. And I was like 200. The clock goes to zero, zero. I mean, the scoreboard. And just everybody just goes nuts. And they just, you know, and so I kind of felt bad for the other. I was like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So the guy, the coach, who's a friend of mine for 20 years, I got great stories about him. Anyways, he comes through the line. He makes it through the first time through. And, you know, but not the assistants and not the rest of the team. They're, you know, they're, they're cursing at me whatever so <laughs> so yeah i mean I, I don't know what you can say on podcast but anyways that, oh, yeah. so, so um anyways and, but then he doubles back around and then he gets me lights me up pretty good you know and then i got people coming from the fans from their team and they're lighting me up pretty good so i said okay i get it i mean i would expect it they're competitive and so we go to the locker room i say guys you just went to the moon like nobody you nobody ever scored you you don't, nobody gets no now everybody's gonna like it but you just went to the moon, 200. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I went back up after we do our put-ups after the game, and everybody says what they liked about the game. And, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, ESPN's call is just going nuts. So we had news in our practice the whole next week, you know. <laughs> the news called and said, can we come to your practice? I said, yeah, it's like 6.30 tomorrow morning. <laughs> They're like, we'll be there. I'm like, you're kidding. <laughs> what, I, right. what I love about that style of play is just as a fan watching it, I yeah. mean, you reach for a – 
a handful of popcorn in yeah. your popcorn bag, and you and you've missed two plays, you know. <laughs> and you're in, but the other thing that's really cool about it is you're involving the student, the players. They're in, they're out, and you have right. a large roster, but they're playing. Right. So that's that's the point, Breck. So when Linneman was here, Linneman said, "Let's have a JV squad," and the coaches were like, "We're already pretty burdened." You know, I told you about the one percent. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was already in place, and. I said, man, how am I going to engage more kids? And especially, you know, I mean, and in a sense from having ministry with them. Like I just, like if they don't play, especially men, they want to be on bus number one. So now you're on JV, you're on bus number two, you're already yeah. mad, you know, like, and so um, I need to engage them. And so this particular style of play is literally why I went, why I decided to go ahead and do it is because you play double the number yeah. of players. So normal rotations eight, we play sixteen. Wow. Yeah. So so and it, we run them in and out every every minute. Uh, five guys. It's already predetermined, and all the way up until the last two minutes of the game, and that's when we might make some changes and put finishers in, call timeouts, slow it down, or whatever. If you if you've met your goals and you you want to preserve the victory, you know, or if you're behind, just keep. So how are the other teams? countered this style of play now right so uh well you know i'm it's not like a secret so i'll be glad to tell any any secrets at first people started to slow it down and so it, but that was just great for us because then their kids would play tight and we were just playing loose and so um i would know that when a team would come in and try to slow it down that's just in our favor and and we were going to probably take that game uh but if you run with us and you're making threes, just like we're making threes and we're not making threes. I mean, people ask me, they say, what happens when you're not making shots? I go, we lose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, um, yeah, so that's the way to beat us is to run with us. And so the teams that run with us, they, you know, and if they're hot, they can beat us. And we, I mean, well, we've been first or second the last five years, um, but so yeah, we lose. I mean, there's there's games, but I tell you what, even when we lose, it's super fun. Like Allison Krauss has this great song. She's from uh, Champagne Urbana Bluegrass. Have you ever heard of her? Yes. I like her. So she uh, she has this song called "The Lucky One," and it says it has the lyric. It says the next best thing to playing and winning is playing and losing. And I always say, I love that line because the key is that you're playing, That's you know, awesome. and everybody likes play that. So, yeah, you play the game. So, um, I don't know. Um, it's been fun. Uh, it's We've been on ESPN several times. We've been in The Athletic uh, magazine, which I'm not a big fan of theirs because they twisted the 200-point game to make mm-hmm. us look like the villain. That's That happens. You never know what the media is going to do. Um, and we, I was in Forbes. Forbes magazine. That's like That's global. Awesome. Wow. I was like For- Forbes. I was sicker than a dog that day. I don't know. <laughs> and I and I had a broken foot. <laughs> and Forbes called and said we want to interview. And I'm like Forbes magazine. Okay, we'll do it. And somehow we pulled it off. But it was yeah. I mean, I just can't believe that. Like tiny Greenville, you know, lowest one percent of resources. We're, we're we're featured in Forbes magazine. I was just nuts. it was huge. It was yeah, huge. I, can, I couldn't believe it. So. Um, but yeah, so that Rick, that's a good question. How do you counter it? You run with us. You have better players. I mean, when I say better players, we're all recruiting, and you know, that's a that's the key to winning yeah. in college. So, you, you know, George, I will say this: that not only 
are you as a coach of success on the court, especially with your players? I mean, every one of them speaks. They want to perform to please their coach. Yeah. You can just see it and and feel it when you're there as a, as yeah. a fan. But it's also off the court. I mean, in, in just in Greenville in general, you and your family have just been a huge asset into this community. You just want to speak a little bit into your involvement into the community? Yeah. Well, so first of all, that starts with the community being just a super asset to us. So, um, you know, obviously we have all, we have our five children. They came through the elementary. They did the normal thing, playing a lot of sports. I coached a lot of the kids coming through, you know, um, our kids would play softball or, or baseball or football, the, the, um, junior comments, whatever. And so I got to help coach a lot of kids. So it's super fun to watch all of the kids grow up. And then our, my wife is great. She, she, She's just really, really laid back. And so there's a ton of kids because we live really close to school that just kind of come and just are at our house all the time. Either spend a night, you know, it's like they're just laying all around the floor. You get up on a Saturday morning and where, who is this kid? Turn him over. Funny story one time. Probably my Mitchell. Wife, my wife, well, Mitchell for sure. Uh, this is a funny story. Colton Rainey was sleeping in my son Zach's bed and my wife went in to wake him up and I think pinched him on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and kind of snuggle with him a little bit. This was he's like, you know, some of that to high school age, 10th, 10th grade or whatever. And, and Colton says, Mrs. Barber. <laughs> and she goes, oh my gosh, this is not my son. <laughs> I said, Colton, don't worry. I said, when I was dating Mrs. Barber, her mom climbed into bed with oh. me. And I was just like 50. She said, you're kind of cute. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> she said, what, what do you want for breakfast? I said, no, no. Is, you're, you're like a 50-year-old woman. This is I can't do this. <laughs> so anyways, uh, but back to, you know, the community. We had a daughter. Uh, we have a daughter. I love her. Mary Ashley. And she had um, this thing called Moya Moya. We didn't understand what it was. She had a stroke. And literally, they had to life flight her from Greenville. And, you know, it's one of these things where um, it's a little bit like the cat, Deloitte, where I said, you're going to be fine. Because I really, I thought she just didn't feel well. Well, it was really actually very serious. And I tell you what, if, you, if you're if you on the ground and you see that helicopter take off from Greenville, my wife is great about, every time we see an ambulance, she would tell the kids, let's pray for whoever's in the ambulance or whatever. But that helicopter takes off and you're flying to St. Louis in your car. Uh, when I say flying, you're going way over the speed yeah. limit flying. Um, and just knowing that there was a ton of people praying and... Our, the community just supported us in every way, from meals to financially to um, helping with the kids. And so um, we were like, wow, what an unbelievable community this is uh, for our family, the way they've supported us. And we, they did a 5K. They came out. It was pouring down rain. So um, the community has just been a tremendous blessing to us. And we're glad we can give back. But it's... it's um, it's just so mutual how much the community's meant to us. So. You, you know, George, I'll just flash forward that just 10 months ago when our grandson was born. Yep. We watched him yep. get flown off in a life yeah. flight helicopter, yep. and you know, we were the ones racing over. And you know who's right behind us? Yep. Your wife. Oh, really? Oh, great. Wow. That's great. And she, you know what? She loves Mark, and she knows what it's like. And so she was going to be there. Absolutely. The strength that she was t to my family. Yeah. Um, you guys have paid it back yeah. in space. Well, thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. So yeah, the, the um, community has been great. And we hope to do that 
for a long time. Uh, Lisa recently took a position with the Poverty Initiative Group yeah. and wants to get mm-hmm. you know uh, babysitters. So um, for the mothers that have the small kids and everything. So yeah, so we're hoping to to continue to give back in lots of ways. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you guys are making me tear <laughs> up now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so Greenville's glad, uh, really happy to have you guys, and uh, and and yeah, we're glad you made that choice to to come here, and uh, yeah, it, it, the difference that it makes when when all of you come in, and we're talking about you know Deloitte, you being here too, you, you're you're not originally right. Uh, in fact, I came in '99 with George. Yeah. Oh came wow. In again. We, were, we were we were what do you call that when you're faculty freshman whatever? Uh, we we have to go newbies. through all these extra yeah. meetings. Oh yeah. So it was yeah, uh, it's brutal. We did, yeah, brutal. Started together. <laughs> were, those, were those hazings? No. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> practically, yeah. yeah, right, exactly, yeah. yeah. I know. And so. the, the same with Breck. We've got yeah. Breck and his family coming here too. All of you making a difference. Yeah, the other scary town. thing is, it's almost all of us have had that experience of following a kid to St. Louis. I had the same thing with my daughter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So yeah, you did. Car accident. accident. Yep. Yeah, boy, that's, mm. it's a scary thought. Well, I'm knocking on wood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but I mean I think I think the thing that we want to bring out of that is just that the community just really wraps their arms around you. See the Taylor Tuff, and I know we're all following that on oh, Facebook, yeah. and you know uh, just really praying for that young man, and just I just love how the community supports uh, anybody that's hurting. And so we say this with our team: we say, um, "Who's the most important person in the room?" And the team knows knows how to respond now. But at first they look around. Like, you know, well, is it the guy who scores the most? What? But we always say the most important person is the person who's hurting the most. And so we look around and we figure out, okay, well, this, so it could be you today, could be me tomorrow, but that is the most important. That's the person we need to rally around. That is a so, great way yeah. to look at it yeah. in any situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, speaking of community, I, you had a kind of a big announcement this summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you're going to try something new. Yeah. So tell us about <laughs> yeah, talk, that. Talk well, about it's kind of new in the sense that, um, it is uh, running for mayor and putting your name in the hat for mayor. But it's not new in the sense that it's. A, I've tried to run for an office before. So um, I was, um, I'll, I'll take it back to being 11 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I went into my uncle uh, Pate's office. I think it was just my cousin, but I called my uncle. And I said, uh, I said Uncle Pate, uh, I'm selling candy bars for my school. And um, I just wondered, how many do you want? <laughs> and he sat back and he laughed. And he, I said, what are you laughing at? And he said, well, because you didn't ask me if I wanted any. You just said, how many do you, do you want? And he said, uh, you should go into politics. Well, I thought, well, that's weird, you know, that <laughs> you would say that. And I'm like 11. But it kind of stuck with me. I think my parents were always interested. Uh, I, we live close to Washington, D.C. and North Carolina. So, um and then in college, I ran for some, you know, like, I don't know, student rep positions and things like that. So it's always interesting to me. And I, I remember being on the baseball team uh, at Asbury University, and I was playing in the outfield, right field. So right field is where, like, the, it's like the last position to get on the field. You know, it's like, well, we'll find this place for you. And, uh, but I could hit a little bit. So anyways, I'm out in right field, and I could see... We're playing uh, Kentucky State. It's a Division II school in, in uh, Frankfurt. And I could see the Capitol building. And I was a senior. I could see the Capitol building. And I had done a couple years of this Kentucky Intercollegiate State Legislature where I'd worked at the Capitol. And I was trying to decide, do I want a coach or do I want 
to go into politics, sort of as a career. I was majoring in phys ed, and I basically said, I'm going to coach, and then at the end of my coaching career, not that I'm at the end right now, but closer to the end, I want to transition into service, public service, and maybe some politics and government. And so um, that's kind of been my plan, you know, all along, knowing that all along. And uh, when a, a spot opened up for the state senate, I had a friend who was a senator from Peoria. His name's Chuck Weaver. And he said, hey, you ought, to, you ought to go for it. And so I did, and I and I lost. But it was a great experience, and I found out a couple of things. Number one, I, I loved the experience of getting to know people. I just, I that was really something, and I thought, this is in my wheelhouse. And number two, I found out you need a lot of resources to, to even run, you know. And so that was, that's the tough part, and I still don't really have those. But um, I do want to serve, and so... Um, I was approached by several people, and they, they said, you know, are you interested in maybe running for mayor? And I said, well, Alan, you know, what about Alan? Because he's done a great job. And uh, they said, well, you know, uh, he's done it for 16 years, and so um, maybe we're looking for some, you know, maybe there's time for something new. So I, you know, talked to several people, and including Mayor Gaffner, and I said, Alan, I think I'm going to run. And so we had good conversations, but at least man-to-man, face-to-face, I was able to tell him I was going to run. And um, so as awkward as that can be, we got through it, and <laughs> I, I'm putting my name in the hat. So, wow. Yeah. It's big steps. Yeah, but, big steps, yeah. So. But, but you were in Forbes, so I was know, in Forbes. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. That's that. Yeah, absolutely. So... So but, is this uh yeah help me out here Elaine is that a spring election is that true it, it is yeah right. right so it is yeah. it's a it's kind of an odd time um so we'll have the national presidential election uh in November first Tuesday in November and then you file in December here uh and then the elections in April so it's it's on an odd time frame but um but but that's what it is and so you know. That's that's I guess the campaign will be a little bit during basketball season. I told the I'll tell the team. I haven't told them yet about this one. I told a few, but when I told them when I ran for state senate, I would not let it interfere with my coaching. And and I would say, um, they they would have they would probably have agreed with that. That that no, you didn't let it interfere. I mean, we won the championship that year. We went to the national tournament. Um, so I just feel like you know. I want them to know that they are still going to be a top priority. I'm not going to neglect them. And so um, I'm going to tell them the same thing about the, the running for mayor. And, of course, the stipend's a little different. Uh, it actually is almost like a job if you're a state senator. But if you're the mayor, it is a – I call it job for Jesus. I mean, because <laughs> there is not, <laughs> not much to the stipend. I don't know exactly what it is, so I'm not going to say on the radio, but it is <laughs> – I think it pays for some gas money back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it's not what it's not what people think. Yeah, right, you know, right, people right, think it's right. a crazy high, but right. no. Oh no, it's not even yeah. No. Not at all. But um so uh, speaking about basketball, now I'm yeah. thinking about this because this sure. year's been so crazy. Oh my goodness. Um, oh my goodness. Are, do you know what it's gonna look like? Yeah, no. This? I mean I mean who would want to go into leadership right now? I mean, you just cannot please anybody. <laughs> well. You cannot please anybody. I mean you you know, from the whether you're at the university or in uh, public education um, or any sort of leadership position, you know, the sad part about it, I think, um, 
Elaine, is uh, what I would call tribalism. So people are polarizing, 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 and yeah, it's ev- really everything. having a hard time finding some middle ground. I hope I can be helpful in that. I believe I can be helpful in finding middle ground for, for groups and people to to come together and talk. Because I've said this before, one of the best tattoos I've ever seen was one that said, if you knew me, you would love me. And I, I really like that because it, that's true. And I say that about yeah. with my players. You know, the one from might be from East St. Louis, another guy lives on the farm uh, somewhere, you know, in the eastern part of the state. And if the kid from the farm would go home with the guy from East St. Louis, walk the halls of his school, spend the night with him, he'd say, ah, oh, I totally, I get you a lot yeah. better now. I understand. You, you have to wear like a name tag when you just walk in your school, you know, Um and there's there's maybe guards there, and then if the guy from East St. Louis would go home with the guy on the farm and you know kind of see there's, there's like fifty people in this school, mm-hmm. and you know and I understand why you are like you are. So, but we don't really have time necessarily. You have to have to microwave that, cross pollinate. But it, it's just so important to to try to get that to happen because. Um, we got to find some common ground. Yeah, I mean, especially with what's going on now, people. Some people want to come back to school. Some people don't want to come back. You know, it's oh, it's and you just touch a nerve. You touch a nerve. So people, mm-hmm. if you say, you know, the economy, the economy. And of course, as a leader, you have to look at both sides. Mm-hmm. People go, well, yeah, but the medical profession says this, and then if you yeah. go, the medical profession, then somebody else says, yeah, but the big economy is tanking. <laughs> so you know, you really, you really do have to look at both sides, and and. Um, there's risk. There's risk in everything you do. Yeah. Um, it is. It is a difficult time to be a leader, and and I have thought about that, and I've thought, oh, why, you know, why do you want to take on this? But um, I'm not afraid. And I remember when I did my student teaching, I went into the supervisor and I said, I heard that the toughest, meanest physical education supervising teacher is this name. This lady named Wieso Rents. She actually was Pat Riley's student teacher. So, you know, Pat Riley is, he coached the Heat and Lakers on the Knicks. Well, she's on the like twilight years of her career, but I said, I want her. I want the, I want the toughest, you know, the, the, the one who fails people. That's the one I want. And same thing for Senate race. When I went in, you know, they called me up to Springfield and they said, we have $38 million. This is like some group out of Chicago. Plummer has a million. And we're going to give him more if he needs it. Do not run. And I just got back in the truck and I drove back to Greenville. I told my wife, I said, that makes me so mad. Yeah. I said, I, that I'm makes not going to run more. I know. I said, <laughs> I mean, I, why can't a man pick a lane and, and run? So, you know, and it was true. I mean, I think they were doing it kind of out of like, you know, I don't know if it was kindness, but, it, you know, I still didn't like what happened. But anyways, the point was I'm not afraid of the competition and the and the fight in a sense I don't I hate to use the word fight but I'm not afraid of something that is difficult to do and um you know sometimes you fail but uh hopefully um hopefully you learn along the way and give it your best shot that's that's you know that's I think that's the key give it your best shot that's a good yeah yeah, mentality yeah, and, for a coach. And, and you definitely have a, <laughs> I think you have a gift for working with others yeah. in difficult situations. So it seems like, and if you enjoy it. Yeah. I think that, yeah, right. So yeah, so working, yeah, that's, that's, that's what sports is about a lot yeah. is, is, um, you know, competing and doing it, um, doing it correctly within the rules. Obviously you don't want to cheat. 
but um, you know, not everybody gets a trophy. I mean, that's I think that's another thing. I think two two things people need to to realize is number one, you got people need to be a little bit hungry. You gotta you gotta keep them a little bit hungry. You can't just say everybody gets a trophy. You know, there's got to be a winner and a loser, and so you got to keep them hungry. Second thing is everybody needs an opportunity, and that's another thing that I think you can help provide in government. Um, so. I'm tipping my hand a little bit on how I think, but <laughs> I think you can apply that. Give them hungry, yeah. Give them opportunity, yeah. That's really awesome. important. Well, guys, questions. Uh, I got a million, but uh, I know, you know, I know. I feel like we're gonna. I have you We know, can go as we, long as you want. We might need to bring you in for another podcast because <laughs> yeah, uh, so. we had some other areas we wanted to get into, but um, but yeah, we could keep talking and talking. But we want to thank you for joining oh, us you're today. Yeah. Glad, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. I I don't I don't know how many podcasts I've done. I guess I've done a couple, um, but uh, it's really always an honor to do it, and I I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're doing here. Uh, I look forward to learning more about Smart Center and how it's going to impact us the downtown area. I think it's a beautiful building. It's opening now and. Had a couple of rocket balls. Tastes pretty good. <laughs> yes. Come on down. We got some programs coming into the building that we're working on, yeah. and uh, we're gonna we're gonna give you yeah. A tour as soon as we can, as soon as we can, um, you know, it's gonna take a little time because we got to get through the virus thing. Yeah. I understand that. Need to all be careful. Need to wear the mask. Need to protect others, and we need to try to get the economy going. So I mean, both those things need to happen, and I'm sure this is gonna be a very instrumental place. Once the economy gets going again, and and uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Panthers on the big screen. Yeah, in the uh, NCAA Division yeah, Three no, playoffs, that'd, that'd be great, right? And we this are spring, the fierce, hopefully. most fierce mascot in our conference, the Panthers. I mean, because <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, think of Westminster Blue Jays, Westminster Blue. Jays. No, what is a Gorlock? What is a Gorlock, right? <laughs> or a Fompon Griffin? No I don't... idea. Panther, <laughs> these coming from? Griffin's I've been working. Mythology, you know, yeah, that's not even real. I've been working on my panther face. Have you seen oh, yeah? the new panther? So, like, no. Is that pretty <laughs> good? Pretty like, good. I know That's we're good. on a podcast. We're gonna but... have to take a picture and post that one. Yeah, we should go. all make panther go. faces. <laughs> yeah, I like For that. Sure. <laughs> That's why I tell the kids. I say, look, if you're ready to do this, you just call me and say, Coach Barber, I want to be a panther. I say, you're in. There so, you go. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Breck, for being yes. here. Thank you, Deloy, as always. And thank you for tuning in to the Greenville Smart Podcast. The Greenville Smart Podcast is brought to you by Greenville University, the Greenville Chamber of Commerce, and Greenville Smart. For more information about office space or event, you know, what do I want to say? Possibilities. Possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I just totally went blank. Uh, find us online, greenvillesmart.com. Until next time, have a great day.